so we are on our final uh, final part of this amazing letter uh, to the Philippian church by Paul. So grab your Bibles if you've got them and turn to Philippians. And we're looking at the final chapter, chapter four, verses 10 to 23. Um, and uh, before I start, I need to say a happy birthday to Noah Cabigan. I've spotted in the comments uh, that it's his birthday as well today. So happy birthday, Noah. Um, lovely, lovely day. And may God bless you and your whole family. So I want to ask you guys a question. When was the last time you were interviewed? I don't just mean like a job interview. I mean, has anyone ever shoved a camera, a camera or a, or a, or a microphone uh, in your face and asked you, put you on the spot and asked you questions about who you are and what your life is? Um, well, it happened to me this week. It's quite intimidating to have uh, to be put on the spot like this. But I was asked by this fantastic young interviewer all sorts of things about what I'd learned in my life and how it had impacted others. And that young interviewer was uh, my lovely daughter, Emily. Um, uh, she was interviewing me as part of her schoolwork. My understanding is not actually easy to be a good interviewer. It's all about trying to ask the right questions that unlock something interesting so that you get the big answers, the amazing answers. And often an interviewer will ask one of those big questions, you know, those catch all at the end, um, trying to get some big profound answer like, so what's your secret? What one tip would you pass on to the next generation? I wonder if as we come to the end of this letter, this amazing letter that Paul's written from prison to this amazing church full of joy, full of instruction, full of truth, written by this ordinary guy who had done such extraordinary things. I wonder what it would have been like to interview Paul at this point in his life as he sat there in prison. I wonder what you'd have asked him. You know, what was it like on the Damascus Road? Tell us again. Or or maybe you'd be cheeky and say, Paul, uh, so which is your favourite of the churches? Which do you like best, you know? Um, but I think I'd be tempted to ask him the big question. Paul, how do you do it? How can you stand it? How do you keep going? How come despite everything you've been through and now you're even in prison? How come you still have faith? You still keep loving people enough to share the gospel. You still rejoice and persevere in it all. And I think Paul would have answered just as he does in the end of this letter. I think he'd lean in and in a quiet voice, he'd say to you, I've found the secret of contentment in all things. And this would be the moment as an interviewer, you think I've hit gold dust here. This is the moment. This is going to be on the front of every newspaper. The secret to contentment in all things. So what is it? Don't leave us hanging, Paul. What is it? Before we look at his answer, I want us to realise that Paul's using some very uh, interesting um uh, language here because uh, the Greeks at the time, the Greek speaking world uh, that he wrote this, were obsessed with philosophy. And one of the big philosophies was Stoicism. And what Stoicism was trying to do was find the secret of self-sufficiency. Um, that is the, the, the ability to cope 
without the need for others to prop you up. This ability to, to, to almost disengage with everything around you, that even if it's really difficult, you can still cope because of your logic and your maturity. Somehow you've become this great stoic who has worked out the way and found the secret of self-sufficiency. Now, the word Paul uses for contentment here is that word. Uh, it's literally the word that means self-sufficiency. And we still say that you're very stoical, don't we? Uh, today, we use that, oh, you're very stoical. If you're not showing emotions, you're just kind of getting on um, without being affected. So Paul deliberately uses this language. He says, I've found the secret, or literally, I've been initiated into the mystery of self-sufficiency in all situations. And you can imagine everyone's ears knew what he was saying, and they go up, what is it? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. My great self-sufficiency, Paul says, is found in Jesus. It's actually Christ-sufficiency. I've never been doing this on my own. I couldn't and I wouldn't want to. Self-sufficiency for a believer, it's folly. Not only is it unnecessary, but it's folly. Christ's sufficiency changes everything in our lives. It's always been him strengthening me, Paul would say. That's how I cope and that's how I know I always have enough, that contentment in all circumstances. And this is the fundamental truth that Paul wanted the Philippians to understand at the end of his letter. You see, he starts by thanking them for their gift, but then he quickly realises he doesn't want them to think that's the reason why he's content. He's not rude. He says, I'm not saying this because I'm in need, um, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances, he says. Yeah, it was good of you to share in my troubles. I love it. He's trying to do that balance. I'm really grateful. But he wants them to realise that's not the reason. The money they've sent him to help him, support him, that's not the reason for his ability to cope and be content in all things. It was so much deeper than just the waxing and waning material provisions that all of us have in this world. As we've seen again in this season, things come and go. There was something that lasted underneath constant. And that was the strength that Jesus was giving him. And it's not just a fluffy idea. Oh, how nice to think about. Oh, yes, God's given me strength. No, this is a real and tangible strength that gets him through all things. And this gift of strength is actually something God wants you and me to have too, to know and to experience day in, day out. You see, last week um, I spoke to you about another gift God has for you. I spoke to you about the gift of peace or being filled with the sense of God's kingdom, of his wholeness, of his shalom. But this week I want to speak to you about his companion, strength. You see, in scripture it's clear that peace and strength come as gifts together. The Lord gives them alongside one another. It says in Psalm 29, 11, the Lord gives strength to his people. and The Lord blesses his people with peace. Do you see they come together? Jesus said the same uh, combination as well. He made it clear that both of these things are available for his followers. I have told you these things so that you that in me you may have peace, Jesus said. But in this world you will have trouble. But take heart. Or be strengthened within. I have overcome the world. John 16.33. Do you realise that as followers of Christ. You and I are called to be those who carry the peace of heaven. 
and who are filled with God's strength. Not just peace-filled, but peaceful and strong. It's interesting, if I was interviewing you and I said, what are your greatest strengths? You might have to think for a moment, you might say, well, I'm organised, or I'm funny, or I'm insightful, or I'm sporty, academic, musical, I'm a good listener. With no cliché and no apology for saying this so clearly, if you are a Christian, the greatest strength you have in your life, bar none, is Jesus. Jesus with you, within you, for you. This is no fairy tale concept. This is a real, tangible strength that he gives right there, available in all situations. And it's just as true for you and me as it was for Paul. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But I think so often we don't really believe it, do we? For a start, does it really say I can do all things? Uh, at which point I start asking questions. Um, let's think about that sentence for a moment. It's one of those memory verses, isn't it, uh, that we often bandy about or quote. And I put a sticker of it inside my Bible when I was 16. I first become a Christian um, and it's still there. But if I'm honest, I didn't really believe it was true. Uh, it was kind of fairy tale language to me because I was quite aware that I couldn't do all things. I couldn't tightrope walk, for example, even through Christ who gives me strength. I just couldn't do that. I couldn't sing like Pavarotti. Um, it's apparently not possible for me to do that. And if we're not careful, it becomes one of these memory verses. It's more like a vacuous trope that we just wheel out and totally misapply. A bit like that kind of if you believe in it, you can do anything nonsense that, that actually isn't necessarily true. You need to be wiser than that. So let's dig a little bit deeper. And as we do into the language that Paul uses, you realise he's saying something different here, but something equally extraordinary. Perhaps it's clearer when I directly translate the Greek word for word. It sounds like this, the sentence. For all things, I have strength in the one strengthening me. That's the Greek. I have strength for all and every situation that I face or may come across. And it's found in the one strengthening, emboldening, empowering me. And that one is Jesus. It's saying here that there is no situation that you face that you do not have access to the strength found in Jesus Christ. There is no issue, no job interview, no crisis, no exam, no struggle, no grief, no disappointment which you face, which Jesus doesn't want to come alongside you and strengthen you in to get you through. You may not get the job. That's not what it's saying. You may not ace the exam. You may not pass the audition. It may still be difficult and feel like a struggle sometimes, whatever it is. But like Paul, you're able to say in every situation I face, Jesus is with me, strengthening me and making me strong. Whether well fed or hungry, Paul says, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Friends, I simply want to say this morning, and maybe you're still on the periphery of of the Christian faith and you're looking in. I want to say to you, especially this morning, there is a life you can live without Jesus. And God allows that. God doesn't force anyone. He's so gracious and kind. But there is also a life you can live where Jesus is with you every day in every situation, strengthening you, leading you, guiding you. You may remember Reese's testimony, how before he was a Christian, he saw how his wife dealt so differently with a bereavement, a tragedy in the family. And 
he told us that he wanted some of that peace, some of that contentment, some of that strength to cope. So what does it look like to be strong? Well, let's have a think just for a moment, shall we? Um, when we think back through history, I don't know if some of you will love history and you'll be historians know a lot better than I do. But when we think of the strong, we might think of leaders of great military forces like Alexander the Great or Attila the Hun or Genghis Khan. We might think of mighty armies and proud empires conquering lands and imposing rule, crushing opposition with guns and weapons and ships and horses, strength to dominate, to control, to intimidate, to overpower and to win. But then there is another strength that we also see just witnessed throughout history. We can see also around today the strength of a mother and father to shield and protect their family from harm, to take risks to do that. Or to take in a stranger who is being hunted by the authorities to be killed or the strength of a single mother to work two jobs to raise and love and persevere with a wayward child, the strength of the enslaved to endure, the strength of the rejected to believe that they can flourish, or the strength of an ordinary individual to stand in front of a tank to say enough and no more. Strength to protect, to stand up for the weak, to persevere, to love and to endure. You see, the first type of strength that I talked about, we find all the way through the Bible, you know. The Bible doesn't hide these things, the strength that dominates and crushes. But just because it's there in the Bible, don't immediately think, oh, well, if it's in the Bible, the Bible must be saying this is good. So much of what's in Scripture is showing you how broken humanity is and the need for a saviour. From the very beginning, Adam and Eve decide that they want to rule and be powerful. They disobey God. And from that moment, the fight to dominate one another begins to be strong. Their own son, Cain, kills and murders his own brother to get ahead and win. Samson, that great hero, apparently, of the faith. And in some ways he is, but in other ways, he's an example of how unregulated strength turned to violence, just escalates violence and damage and destruction. Even Solomon, the wisest king of all, had thousands of horses and chariots to back up his rule. And his son after him declared, my father made your yoke heavy. I will make it even heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I will scourge you with scorpions. Strength that dominates leading to more and more violence and domination and crushing. The Bible includes so much of it, not to glorify us, but to teach us where it leads. It's folly, it's destruction and pain. God says there is a day when the proud and the strong man will be brought low. But then there's a counter narrative running through the Bible. You see it all over the place. Moses hiding as a shepherd on the hills, asked by God to lead his people. Moses says, who am I? I can't do this. God says, I'm with you. And he leads his people into freedom. And the Goliath giant, uh, this great example of the strength of mankind, dominating arrogantly, shouting and showing how strong he is. A little boy trusts in God. Throws a little stone and knocks him down. That little boy becomes great king. Gideon, a frightened man, hiding in a wine press, told, uh, greetings, mighty warrior, by an angel who turns up. Why? Because the Lord's with you. I see your faith. You're going to be okay. Over and over again, the Lord's trying to teach us and his people that there's a strength far greater than just a violent strength or a dominating strength or a proud strength. And it's a strength that comes from humility and trust in God. 
God says this in Isaiah, in repentance and rest is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. There is a better strength that God longs for you and I to know. But so often we simply won't listen. We just keep picking up our own sword, trying to crush, to dominate, to be strong and self-sufficient in our own eyes. So God would finally show us our foolishness with the greatest display of strength the world has ever and will ever witness. What am I talking about? The great flood, the great rumbling of the mountains, huge earthquakes? No, no, he sent his son Jesus. There has never been anybody stronger or more powerful walk this earth. And yet Jesus showed us that real strength isn't about crushing and dominating others, but standing up for the poor and the broken and the forgotten and the hated and the rejected, even when those in power and influence disagree and hate us and reject us for it. And sometimes this frustrated the disciples like me when I was little. I used to sometimes read the, actually I still do, sometimes read the Gospels and go, go on, Jesus, just zap them, show them how awesome you are. Don't let them speak to you like that. And the disciples would say the same. Some people were rude to them one day and they're like, can we call down fire? <laughs> Jesus like, no, that's not the strength I'm interested in. It's available to me, sure, but no, no. Perhaps one of my favourite moments in the Bible. When Jesus is arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane, the night before he goes to the cross, and Peter goes, right, he's arrested with soldiers, come with swords, and he just points out, I've never wielded a sword. Why are you coming with me, coming to me with swords? But Peter's got one. He whips it out. I'm going to get him. And he starts chopping away as best he can. And Jesus says, no, stop, Peter. You've not got this, have you? You've really not got it yet. I could basically, my paraphrase, I could click my fingers and the armies of heaven would come, basically wipe the floor with everyone. But that's not the strength that saves lives, but that's the strength that destroys lives. I've come to show you a strength that saves and restores and heals. And that strength was seen most of all as he went to the cross. There we saw the greatest act of strength of all time. We saw the perfect and totally innocent one mocked. I can't get my head around this. Mocked and spat at and humiliated. The king of the universe stripped and beaten and nailed to an excruciating cross. And we witness the strength to persevere through it all, to persevere in faith, to follow the father's plan, even in suffering. And there on that cross, we heard him cry out for the ones that were trying to dominate him, crush him and kill him. He simply cries out, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We see the strength to love even when hated. So, too, in that moment that seems so dark. We see the only strength that truly overcomes, overcomes the pride and the foolishness and the violence and the sin of us all, overcomes the plans and the schemes of the enemy. It's a strength that defeated Satan and conquered death. It's a strength that would cause Jesus to rise again to life. It's king of all. Strength Jesus shows us is a strength to stand and to persevere and to forgive and to overcome. And this is the strength that Paul now knew each and every day. This is the secret, he says, to how I cope. Jesus gives me that strength. The old Paul had literally been so violent to the church, he had sought to crush and dominate. But then he met Jesus and now he's far stronger than he was then. 
He has Jesus's strength that helps him cope in all situations. And boy, did he need it. He writes to another church, in Corinth. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. Just listen to this. This is Paul writing. We've been beaten, put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, gone without food, beaten with rocks, stones. Three times I've been shipwrecked. I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I've traveled on so many journeys, faced dangers and dangers and dangers in the city, in the deserts, on the seas, danger from the men who claim to be believers, but they're not. I've worked hard and long, enjoying many sleepless lights, nights. I've been hungry and thirsty. I've gone warm. I've gone without uh, food. I've shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. And in the light of all this, now hear his words again. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. He had the strength to stand, to persevere, to love, to overcome. You know, it leaves me humbled because I know that I haven't faced anything like what Paul faced. Some Christians do all around the world. We support as a church open door that helps the persecuted church. And they have the strength to cope with some of the most awful things that happen to them. But I know I myself sometimes barely cope with the life and the struggles of life and challenges I face each day. Maybe you feel the same. Yet the truth is, Jesus wouldn't come to you and me and say, what are you doing? For goodness sake, pull your socks up. Look look at how hard it was for Paul. And he coped. What are you complaining at? No, that's not how Jesus would deal with us. He'd simply draw near and say, peace and strength to you, Matt, for what you're going through. The same peace and strength I gave to Paul, it's available for you, Matt. It's also available for you guys, all of you who are tuned in here. As you turn your hearts to Jesus, in all things, I'm here strengthening you, Jesus would say. He would say that to you this morning. Because this morning, I don't want to be just theory for you to go away and go, OK. It does start with understanding. So much of our faith does understand that this is true. This is a truth. This strength is available for you. But then I want us to move to receiving from Jesus the very real strength that we need. Each one of us to keep going in this season, which has knocked so many of us, knocked our confidence as a nation, as a world. This season where we've realised again how ill-founded our pride and trust in ourselves and our own strength really is. Jesus, I believe, wants to give each one of us strength again this morning to believe, to press on, to overcome, to persevere. It's a reality and a gift that we can receive today, that we need to receive again afresh. That we can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. And in a moment, we're going to pray and ask God to strengthen us as individuals, uh, whatever it is you're facing and as a church. But before we do, I just want to give you three small ways of understanding how God strengthens us as, as Christians. Three ways the Bible shows us. Three ways to think about this week. The first one is that he draws near. God's the God who loves to come alongside. We saw it at the very beginning with Adam and Eve. He walked with them in the garden. But even after it all went wrong 
and sin entered, caused enormous divide between us. He still chooses to draw near over and over again. Psalm psalmist writes, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 18. Of course, he came and walked alongside us with Jesus, didn't he? Imagine what that would have been like to walk alongside Jesus. But that was only for a season. But Jesus, before he went, promised us a gift. I'm going to send to you the Paracletos, the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I will send to you another one, a Paracletos, to come and be with you. And Paracletos literally means para, which means alongside, and kletos, which means called to. The Holy Spirit is the one called to draw alongside us as his people, the presence of God himself drawing near like a friend. You know, the word comfort means with strength. It's something, it's a gift we give one another as a friend. You know, you're going through something on your own and a friend draws near and comforts you. It strengthens you to keep going. And that's what God does with each one of us. In a tough time I was having in January, I felt like I was in a boat on my own being smashed about and the waves were tough. And I felt so alone in some ways. And I remember just saying to God, saying to Jesus, would you come and sit in the boat with me? Would you do that? And I remember just a very simple sense of his answer. Yes, Matt, of course. I'm sitting right next to you now. You're not in this boat alone. And it made the world of difference, the reassurance and strength I received. As I heard Jesus say, I'm sat in this boat with you. Maybe you need to know that this morning. And the other two very quickly ways that God gives us strength as his people. God strengthens us, not just by drawing near us, but he strengthens us within. He fills us with his Holy Spirit. Same power that enabled Jesus to persevere the cross, to rise again to life, to overcome, is the same power that lives in you and me. It's extraordinary, but it's true. So often we forget it. Sometimes we simply need reminding. Paul had to remind his young protege, Timothy. He wrote this, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power and love and self-control. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or me as his prisoner. Paul saying rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. Strength to stand. Perseverance even in suffering. Love. And strength to overcome. Let him fan that gift into flame within you this morning. And the third way he strengthens us is we are strengthened by the knowledge that God is for us, not against us. God himself, the Alpha and the Omega, the infinite, powerful, awesome, unchallengeable creator of all that has ever been or ever will be. He's got your back. I love that. He loves you. He's got your name written on his hand. He's fond of you. The Bible says even when you don't see it in ways you cannot always tell or understand, he is working all things for good for those who are in Christ Jesus. Paul knew this through and through and he communicates it to us in Romans 8. Some of the greatest words ever written. Just listen to these now. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? 
He who did not spare his son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we're going to pray together, friends. We're going to receive God's strength today. This morning, there's an invitation for you just to realise whether you need a touch from the Lord. You need to know again him drawing alongside you and strengthening you for what you're going through, whatever that might be, and for this season ahead. Perhaps you need strength to stand, to stand against the lies, to stand up for truth or justice at work or at home, friends or family perhaps you need strength to persevere in this tough time in a tough job even in pain or suffering in doubt and faith and trust perhaps you need strength to love again to go on loving even though you feel like giving up to choose again to love to choose to forgive perhaps you need strength to overcome an addiction a lie that you keep believing, a threat, a challenge, the work of the enemy trying to rob you of the joy and freedom and peace and strength that are yours in Jesus. Well, this morning I invite you, just in this moment, let us put down our own swords, our self-sufficiency, and let's turn to Jesus. Open our hearts to receive from the Lord this morning. So let's just pray in this moment. You may want to put your hands out in front of you. If you feel comfortable doing that, just open palm just to receive from God. Lord Jesus, in this moment, we invite you to draw near. Come and sit in the boat with us. Come and bring your comfort to every heart that needs it this morning. And Lord, fill us afresh again with your strength. Fill us with your peace that we may know your goodness. And fill us with your strength that we may persevere. Whatever it is we are facing that we may keep on loving, keep on persevering, keep on forgiving, keep on standing for you and for what is right. Come Holy Spirit, we invite you. Come and strengthen us again. Those who are struggling at home, struggling with kids, struggling at work, fearful, lonely, Worried about the new season that lies ahead. Lord, come and give us your strength, we pray. We turn to you now. We thank you for your gift of strength. We thank you that you are with us, not against us. We thank you for your love. Just hold the attitude of prayer as we finish our time together.